Welcome back to Comic Book Workshop. It's a podcast about the craft of making comics. I'm your host, Jason Hammonds, and I am not an expert. I'm just trying to learn all I can from those who do it best. On this episode, I chat with cartoonist Jesse Lonergan. You'll know Jesse's work from books like the recently Eisner-nominated Hydra, uh, Planet Paradise, and Prime, his ongoing Patreon comic. Before we get into that interview, though, let's talk about something I've been learning lately. Um, the thing that is on my mind this week uh, is is the topic of writing from your fears, or the idea of writing from your fears. Um it's something that I've heard a lot of great writers talk about before and have like sort of taken to heart, but not necessarily. Uh, and, and lately I've been trying to dive into that a bit and, and keep track of, um, you know, just the, the things that, that, are, that are really active in my brain, uh, fear-wise and anxiety-wise. Um, and one way that I've been finding to, to really help with that is uh, to keep a dream journal of sorts, um, you know, or, or even if, you know, you're not wanting to keep, like, some sort of official written dream journal thing and make a whole process of it, try to, like, you know, think about what you, what you were dreaming about the moment you wake up, because obviously, uh, you know, people talk about a lot those few moments right after you wake up are the times that it's all still sort of fresh in your mind um and if you don't you know deliberately kind of like think about it and and actualize it and sort of you know put some active uh conscious brain function into it you'll kind of forget what was going on um but those dreams are a a really really amazing connection to what you know your your fears and anxieties and hopes are um you know it's it's your subconscious at its most honest uh, when you're when you're having those dreams, it's sort of you know the way that you're connecting with with what's going on in your life, um, you know, and try to notice the things that are happening consistently. You know, the the I, I you know, and I, I again as always, I can only speak from my personal experience, but like there's definitely a lot of things that I dream about that are happening. Uh, over and over again. I mean, you know, not to get insanely personal, but when I was a teenager uh, and, and, and you know, very early into my adulthood, uh, I had a bit of uh, a criminal record and, um, you know, I, I was arrested a few times as a teenager and, and I was arrested um, uh, within a few weeks of turning 18. And I had always thought as a teenager that um, once I turned 18, I would no longer uh, be doing criminal stuff, that I would be smarter. And because once you turn 18, it counts um, in the United States, at least. I don't know how it works other places uh, that, that, you know, I'd be done with all that stupid stuff or whatever. Um, and for the most part, I, well, I was, but uh, I made, you know, a, a slip up after I turned 18 and got arrested and, you know, had a criminal charge on my record. And that stays with you, um, you know, for, for quite some time. And... So I had a you know the experience of of having to bring it up in every job interview that I had and uh, uh, you know it, it it prevented me from advancing my career in certain ways um, at the time which you know the career that it prevented me from advancing and, and the time that it was preventing me from doing so uh, thankfully was a career that I actually was not very interested in expanding and and I think you know partially due to that I was able to make a transition and and you know pursue film and TV, which has been the thing that I've actually been able to make my career in and, and uh, I'm very happy for it. But I got to experience how um, frightening and how like demoralizing it can be to have something like that on your record and preventing you from advancing in life. And also knowing uh, because of that, that if I were to get, you know, if I were to slip up a second time, if I were to get a second charge on my record, uh, that it would be kind of game over in a lot of ways that like, you know, a, once you get a second charge, you have no chance of expunging. Um, and that, you know, you are now a repeat offender and you are someone that, you know, 
will be deemed not to be trusted on any kind of background check. You know, people can forgive one little slip up, even, you know, if it's as dumb as uh, mine was in terms of like my own cognition and and my own stupid decision making. Um, But they can't really forgive two um, quite as easily. And so that's something that has stuck in my head for a long time. You know, I I finally just, um, what, two years ago now was was able to expunge that charge from my record and and finally like sort of get that monkey off my back. Um, But it follows you for, for a long time. And I, even to this day, have recurring nightmares of getting arrested, of doing something, either doing something wrong or being caught, you know, wrong place, wrong time, either situation. Um, and it's it's terrifying, you know, just sort of that f- sinking feeling of like, oh, I've ruined my life. <laughs> you know, like I, I have, you know, I've, I've kind of thrown my future away. I've, I've you know... Um, made some mistakes that are now just, you know, fully tanking me. That That is the feeling that comes with it. And it's, you know, one of the most raw uh, emotional states that I'm in is is that, you know, it's one of my biggest fears is just like completely pissing away uh, any opportunity or any dreams or uh, ambitions purely just off of, you know, dumb decision making, right? Or, or, or whatever it may be. Um, and so that's the thing I've been thinking about and, and uh, you know, trying to... Uh, you know, put into words in certain ways. And, 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 you know, there, there's a story that I've been trying to crack for, for God, four or five years now. Um, and thinking about this has been something that has really unlocked a lot of that is like, okay, this is, this is something that I can write about with this story. This is like, you know, sort of a, a thematic through line. Like the, the story that I've been trying to crack is about all sorts of things, right? Like there's all this stuff that I'm trying to write about, but you kind of need that, like, that anchor, that thematic anchor to sort of steer it all around. Otherwise you just end up with a jumbled mess that doesn't really actually know what its point is. Even if you have a million points, like it does have to be concise. Um, and so that, that's something that's just been helping me is like keeping track of my dreams, thinking about like, okay, what, what is that dream making me feeling? Why is this so frightening to me? Right. Or why is this so exciting to me? What is the thing about it? What is motivating it? You know, what, what are the things in my subconscious, what are the things that I have not resolved that are causing me to feel this way and causing me to have these dreams over and over and over again? You know, like, I mean, for me, and, it, you know, whatever, to, to, to get a little, uh, again, personal about it, like, you know, the thing that I started to realize is that uh, I was feeling as though I had conned my way into um, a career in, in an industry that I love and, and into sort of following a, a path that I am really passionate about. And those dreams of getting arrested and, and sort of, you know, throwing it all away, it's, it's, you know, it's reflecting the feeling that I don't deserve to be where I am. And I don't deserve to like be doing the things I'm doing and, and, and on the path that I'm on, like, you know, it's, it's all based on that insecurity, but um, yeah, it's, it's just helped with my writing and helped with my creativity to kind of keep track of these things and understand these things. And, and before I started keeping track of my dreams, I didn't realize how often that particular nightmare was happening. The, the getting arrested and, and sort of, you know, life and future opportunities being over. Um, and so it's, I don't know, it's, it's been, uh, something really interesting. Um, and even, I mean, last night as I'm recording this, uh, I just had an experience of going out to, um, a get together with a bunch of friends celebrating someone's birthday. And it was the first time that I'd been to like a party, you know, since way before the pandemic. And, it was a crazy feeling. I brought, uh, you know, mine and my girlfriend's dog 
with me and she was, you know, enjoying, you know, having a great time, like walking around the party. Everyone was petting her and she was able to get all sorts of treats. It was lovely for her. Um, but the entire time I was kind of like, okay, you know, keep, keep an eye on the dog. Is the dog okay? Is she getting into something? You know, is someone going to accidentally step on her? Like what's going on? And just having my eye on that constantly. And then of course, like, you know, immediately, uh, the night after I have like four different dreams about acts like doing something and the dog getting hurt. Um, and so it's just, it's, it's interesting, right? Like that's, it's so easy. And also that same day we had taken her to the vet cause we were a little worried about her and she turned out to be fine. Um, but like that, just that stuff of like realizing like, oh yeah, these are coming from somewhere. Like there's something, you know, for that, it's like so direct. It's, oh yeah, today I was worried about the dog a lot. And now I had a dream where I, you know, ended up, uh, uh, the dog was, was hurt in certain ways. Um, and so it's, you know, like that kind of shit just is, it's helpful to realize and think about and, and try and channel those feelings into your writing, into your creative work and, and figure out sort of how to express that and how to use that to tell more honest stories. And also just, I mean, you know, purely a, a Brian K. Vaughn quote is that, you know, comics are the cheapest form of therapy. Um, and so if, you know, to sort of take that to its, you know, logical uh, conclusion is like, hey, if you got some shit to work out, like, put it in your stories, you know, those dreams will tell you exactly what it is you're trying to work on, um, or, or what you're worried about. And so if you need to, you know, do any work on there and you can't afford therapy, which, Hey, I have been there and in, in some ways I still am depending on, uh, you know, the, the month you ask me, depending on my employment status in this uh, freelance world, um, you know, like it's, it's, it's helpful to think through these things and, and figure them out in storytelling. So anyway, that's, uh, that's the, the ramble for today. That's what I've been thinking about and learning is just, you know, taking my fears and, and figuring out ways to put them into my work. Uh, I hope that that's, you know, something interesting for you to think about. I hope it helps you in some ways. Uh, let me know your thoughts and if you're doing so and, and Hey, if you have a comic that you've made that is based on some of that stuff, you know, freaking let me know, we'll give it a shout out. Um, and uh, before we get on into the interview with Jesse Lonergan, I just want to remind you all that this episode is brought to you by my friends at Garm. Uh, Garm is the graphic artist resource management company. And I don't have that written down, by the way. I have, I for whatever reason, haven't written it down in my notes. I just memorize, like I remember it every time. So honestly, Garm, I'm, I'm, I'm in the pocket. Like I, if I'm remembering that acronym every week, they're doing something right. Uh, but they, they have all sorts of resources for digital artists. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of traditional sketching and stuff like that, but, uh, when I'm making comics, when I'm doing design work, whatever it is, I am always using digital tools and, uh, Garm helps me do that job a lot better and achieve the, uh, the look and feel that I'm always going for. So go to garmcompany.com slash TMBC, uh, and check out all the tools they have for Photoshop, Procreate, you know, whatever you're using, uh, they've got something for you, lettering packages, text packages, brushes, all sorts of stuff like that. So again, that's garmcompany.com slash TMBC. And I just want to remind you to follow the show at TMBC Workshop on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me at Jason Halftones on both uh, social platforms and follow Jesse Lonergan at Jesse Lonergan's on Twitter and at Jesse.Lonergan on Instagram. Without further ado, let's get on into that friggin' interview with Mr. Jesse Lonergan. I am here with Jesse Lonergan. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, preparing for this interview was something that was really difficult and not for the reasons I think that a lot of people might think, 
the reason that this became such a, a difficult undertaking is because I have this thing where when I read your comics and there's, there's a few cartoonists that are this way, but when I read your comics, I get a burning desire to go and draw my stuff. Oh, that's, that's great. Oh. <laughs> it, like, it really compels me to make something. And I just like, it, it's, it's fascinating. And so every time I would like sit down to, you know, read, you know, through prime or revisit, uh, you know, planet paradise or Hedra or something, I'd just be sitting there like, I need to draw something. I need to draw something. I need to like, <laughs> but that's, that's great. That's like the, the best, best effect something I think could have. So great compliment. I'm wondering for you, are there, are there any cartoonists or creators that have that effect on you? Or is there anything that you will, you will do that, that kind of spurs that response? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I feel actually like, I feel it's like kind of constant. <laughs> like like <laughs> I'll just look at something and be like, Oh, that's like, that's like a really like cool way of doing something or, or that's a, that's a way that I don't do things. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like for me, just sort of not necessarily in a narrative sense, but just like in a visual sense that like, kind of clean art like that right. like those beautiful smooth lines like darwin cook or oh my god um bruce tim or uh, elsa Chartier, like where it's like this it, it's so clean yeah like like <laughs> and and it, it it's like wow i really i'm nowhere near that like i've got these like blobby lines and, and like it's it's sort of like oh maybe i should try and like clean up my style and like work on getting those like smooth clean lines (laughs) um or or just like you know you'll you'll see some some type of story that like isn't isn't something that i am sort of naturally drawn to Mm -hmm. um and it's just like oh that would be something like that would be fun to do so i I feel like i'm always sort of being like like pulled in to these ideas like yeah sure i should be drawing Uh, (laughs) it's It's so funny that you mentioned the, you know, like in talking about the lines, because of course, you know, I'm a huge fan of Elsa's Darwin is, is a huge influence on me for sure. Uh, uh, but what's what's funny is that actually something that I really respond to in your work is is kind of that thing you're talking about. You have very like sort of brushy lines that yeah. have a lot of um, variance to them. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a human who has put yeah. like, you know, a flawed individual has, <laughs> has put those lines on paper. That's uh, one of those things that I love because it, it feels you know, in a, in a certain way. And obviously there's different ways that, that different people's work feels alive. But I think that's one element to me that, that makes the work kind of jump off or transcend the page is that it does feel very lively because of that element of it. That, Like you're saying that you can feel the artist's uh, hand behind it. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's something that I've sort of, I feel like I've, I've leaned into is, right. is having a, a bit of a wobble um, <laughs> to my lines and like, um, when I'm when I'm inking, I never use like rulers or anything like that. So sure. like, I'll I'll use them in the penciling, you know, to get a straight line. But then <laughs> when I ink it, it'll it'll just be this like kind of wobbly line. Right. Um, that's that's straight enough. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't know if, if it's because of like this idea of like, well, even when I if I were to use a ruler, it's not going to be perfect. Sure. Like I'm I'm going to mess it up. Right. So if there's like a lot of messing up all along the way. It's okay. <laughs> um, or if it's just that I'm lazy and like once I'm making, I, I don't want anything to in, impede. Sure. Um, sure. Process. So. No, I, I, I fully get that. Um, and I like, as, as someone who the, the thing that I have to like 
that I'm currently working on the most in my process that has the most, yeah, I'll say it in a generous way, the most room for improvement in my process uh, uh, is definitely the inks. And so I've, okay. I've been like trying to like sort of observe people's, you know, processes and the ways that they handle inks a lot. And, and it's such a difficult task. And I admire, you know, people like yourself yeah. that, that are very um, adept at it and, and can create like really interesting and complete images with their inks. Um, okay. but, go ahead. Sorry. No, please I, go ahead. It's also like, I feel like a very like, personal thing like yeah like like what works for for me <laughs> might not work for somebody else right and so like for me like like i felt my inking started getting better when i started penciling less like sure you know like and and so, but i feel other people it's like no 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 you gotta like figure everything out in the pencils and then right. they get these these really nice crisp inks that's so stuff. funny because that that's something that i talk to almost every artist who comes on the show i end up talking about that is like are you a person who who tries to tighten up your pencils as much as possible and then maybe like strip away some of the detail in the inks mm -hmm. or are you a person who who pencils really loose and then sort of tries to add or refine within the inks and it sounds like you're you're the latter yeah i mean basically with like pencils i'm just looking to get like form you know so like the the things that i find really hard to do in ink would be like uh, putting a body positioning a body and like some foreshortening and stuff. Right. And so that's what I try and do in pencil, but then the details and all of that stuff, I'll just sort of leave. Sure. Uh, leave for inks. And now do you, and, and one thing by the way, uh, uh, and we'll be talking about a lot of the stuff on your Patreon page uh, throughout the interview. But one thing that I really love about uh, uh, being a patron of yours is the amount of process stuff that you post. It's, uh -oh. Truly, like, it's it's awesome. And I mean, anyone who listens to this show, I think is probably the same way of like, you know, we really, really like hearing about and seeing process stuff. Um, and what I think is really cool is is seeing, you know, like, uh, recently, you posted the pages for um, or the, the the like layout to inks from pages 60 to 61 of Prime. And mm -hmm being able to see like you're saying that sort of foreshortening and kind of the noodling that happens in the pencils, you know, you don't you don't seem like you're really erasing a ton of, you know, lines, like in terms of if you're talking just like to get the shape of an arm, right. Or something uh -huh. like that, you know, that you're kind of leaving in the stray lines that don't quite fit in with the arc. I'm sure there's probably, yeah. you know, like earlier versions that get erased as you're figuring out composition or something. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I, 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 I love seeing how much kind of noodling is happening in that stage and then seeing, when you'll go in with your your you know micron or your brush pen or whatever and like sharpen everything up, it's a really cool process. Yeah, um, good. I, 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 I mean, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's not a question. Like, it's the well, but like I, I find like sort of like the documenting, like you know the making of it kind of destroys it. <laughs> you sure. Know? Like you know, like the, the pencils are gone. Like it's all buried under ink and stuff. And so <laughs> the documenting of it is like something I, I sort of struggle with and like how to do it so so that somebody enjoys it makes me feel very good no it truly it's so good because it, it it helps kind of see the the depth behind the process um and also i guess one thing i'm wondering too is is i mean a you work you know i think generally you work very big right like physical page wise it, it looks like to um, me i don't not not too much about i mean prime uh the like live space is right. 10 inches by 14 inches okay so it's it fits on eleven by seventeen. If I'm doing a, a spread, though, you know, I guess I like guess that's more what I'm thinking. Is you do you do a I lot do, of spreads? Yeah, and with, with Prime in particular, I'm I'm thinking in terms of spreads. Like, right. Like I'm 
I'd, I'm always considering like this page is like what page is going to be on on the left and what page is going to be on the right and like sure. what what people will see um, sort of as as a book. And to give some context, I'm sure that I that I you know put this in the preamble after the fact, but but Prime, of course, is the comic that you're making right now via your uh, Patreon page, and it's your you know sixty some odd pages in uh, at this point. It's uh, it's more like a um, hundred some. Uh, the first chapter, which is done, was oh 48. right, I'm thinking chapter wise because you're and you're doing chapter, chapter two, one. I'm page sixty. I think I just did sixty four, sixty five. Wow. Um, colored them so that's what's going yeah. up on monday so. so so tell me a bit about and and then of course we'll go back i mean none of my interviews ever go linearly of course uh but tell me a bit about prime like you know you've described it as a creation myth but mm-hmm. where, where does this sort of idea ruminate from how long have you been gestating on this um it's hard it's hard to say <laughs> um I, I think like the initial gestation probably started with like uh, reading uh, Metamorphoses by Ovid, okay. um, which is, you know, all these like, you know, poetic ancient mythology and creation myths and right. sort of, um, I guess there, was, there were things that I had been exposed to when I was younger, but they didn't hit me. Like, I don't know, it's just this thing you read, you know, sure. <laughs> like we, we, I feel like, like high schoolers are made to read all these things and it's like, I don't think... They should understand this. Like, I, I mean, I'm impressed when right. high schoolers understand the Great Gatsby, but I don't think it made sense to me until my late twenties. You know, I was like, "Oh, this is what they're talking about with like the class structure." Yeah, like I, I really didn't get that when I was, you know, growing up. In you don't Vermont. have any life experience to relate to it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's sort of, um, and so like rereading uh, or reading those the stories, sort of like this idea of like these kind of they're very bloody and they're very basic, but they're also kind of like, I feel like these eternal sort of truths and sort of telling that kind of a story right. um, was something that I'd, I'd been wanting to do and then sort of decide to kind of start putting together um, into Prime. And sure. yeah, I say creation myth. I, I think of it more as just like a, a sort of a myth type story. Right. I mean, the early parts are, are creation. Sure. Um, and now it's um, more just a, a mythological, <laughs> mythological story. story. Yeah. It, it's really interesting because I, I can see as I'm reading it, I can see so much of the like, um, you know, the influence of, of like you're saying classical mythology, you know, mm. Greek and, and, you know, a bit of Norse in there and stuff. But also a thing that I can see pretty heavily is the hand of, you know, I guess if, if we're getting Morrisonian about it, right, like the, the modern mythology, the American mythology, mm-hmm. and, and specifically the hand of Kirby is oh yeah is, uh-huh. is there to some degree. So tell me a bit about like sort of as you're figuring out this this myth and this, this story that you want to tell, where does Kirby start creeping in and, and why was, you know, tell me just about the choice to include that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think in, in a, a very basic level, it just felt right. <laughs> um, sure. But like, I, I think sort of like if if i had done it like trying to to draw i don't know ancient greece or like ancient mesopotamia or something that would <laughs> that would make it almost like a historical project and right. it, and i really don't want it to read that way mm-hmm. you know I, I don't want it to sort of feel that way and i also i, I feel by like kind of putting everybody in like superhero costumes uh-huh. it, it makes it feel like anything is possible right. like it, it gives like a freedom to it like 
like that maybe wouldn't exist so much if I had sort of set it in sort of some mythical time period. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like you put a superhero costume and now if someone were to fly, it's I feel like it would be like, oh, okay. Like, like he flies. Um, there aren't any flying characters. But like, <laughs> sure, uh, yeah. I, I, I get you. It, it's sort of like it, it breaks it away from these like rules of historical accuracy or, um, you know, an obligation to be true to what the right. time period was like or anything like that, which is, which I feel maybe, maybe why I got bogged down, you know, sort of reading mythology when I was like in high school was like, it's or, or like reading Shakespeare or whatever. It's like, you need to understand A, B, C, D in order to appreciate the story. And I kind of feel you don't actually need to understand A, B, C, and D <laughs> to appreciate like these stories. Right. And sort of like, I felt like, you know, giving sort of this more modern aesthetic sort of takes that away. And it's sure. like, no, you, you've come in with enough. Um, and, and you can, you can read this. Right. That, that makes a lot of sense. And, and it truly, yeah, it's very like as someone, I was definitely that dumb kid who like in high school and junior high and, and even like well into my twenties, truly, uh, uh, did not, understand most things that i watched or read <laughs> like <laughs> i was just like okay yeah i don't know like a guy punched something or whatever um you know and and i but i've found it to be really and obviously that's a bit different now i'm i'm such a you know like meta text head that that i get way too deep in the weeds but um i found the story to be very and, and i think it's a thing about a lot of your work where like you seem to have uh, uh a resistance to dialogue a lot of the time <laughs> where like you want to yeah. which i i really really respect truly because i think that <laughs> most of us particularly cartoonists and particularly people who are people who draw first and kind of write second mm -hmm. in terms of like things that came naturally to them i think people tend to overwrite and and put mm -hmm. in too much dialogue and try and like kind of supplement the story to some degree with it and and i respect the uh restraint and commitment yeah. to the visual storytelling and i think that that's one thing that makes it very sort of universal and accessible is that like it's purely about experiencing mm -hmm. with with what's happening yeah yeah and I, yeah i'm wonder i'm wondering where that kind of philosophy comes from on on making comics um i, I don't I, 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 <laughs> I don't know why i i have an aversion to words in comics but <laughs> it's and it, it would probably like you know three years ago i've been like no 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 you're misunderstanding but it's like i do i clearly don't like too many words. Um, and, and I think part of it is I feel, I often feel like when I read a lot of comics, like the words aren't really adding much. Sure. Um, and I, I feel at some, there's like a tipping point where there's too many words. Right. And I feel like the words are the thing that the people are reading and they're not actually looking at the art. Um, sure. And, yeah. and the art is, far and away the thing that takes the most time yeah like, like i mean like you have like professional comic book writers who are writing like six titles a month and there are no professional comic book artists <laughs> who are doing six titles a month no like so it's like it's a visual medium the focus should be on the visual like um right and i mean i think there are definitely some drawbacks um i think words slow people down sure um, you know, yeah, there's times where if you want someone, like, yeah, uh, can just sprint through a book of just pictures. Um, but 
Yeah. And I think that's a thing that, that people, and I, I'm actually, I'm curious about this when it comes to like um, European comics and some other comics that like, I think that people in American comics and in Japanese comics are very um, conditioned to read word balloon to word balloon and mm-hmm. to sort of rip through the page. And I think there's absolutely, you know, something to be said for that. And I think that, you know, of course, like everything has its value in some ways mm-hmm. or other, others. Um, but I've been thinking a lot the last couple of days and, and probably spurred on by by reading, you know, your work over the last few days, but about how largely people view comics as the middle ground between, you know, like novels and film, right? And mm-hmm. that it's a medium of of sort of, you know, textual storytelling that is that is complemented by visuals and it's also like mixing with some of the like projects that I'm working on on my own where like I've really started to fall in love with like the, you know, 80 to 120 page graphic novel format, uh-huh. like the sort of graphic album, graphic novella kind of like thing. And I'm, I'm starting to view comics a lot more like a fusion of um, like albums and art books, you know, where it's a thing that you can kind of like experience and and, you know, kind of view in a on a level that's much more about like friendly to revisiting and relooking and spending time with a thing and like you know there's those songs on an album that you'll listen to over and over again and there's mm-hmm. you know like you might revisit it in sort of a non-linear fashion whereas in film and books it's kind of a thing that like you experience linearly you experience you know once or twice or whatever typically right. and it's kind of like that's the experience and that's it whereas with art books or with albums and i kind of think preferably with comics it's a thing that you can come back to in many different ways I, it, what, what's your thoughts on that i don't know yeah, I think I think comics are like very rereadable, like like like, and very much that you can revisit them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I feel like um, there there are comic books that I I just have like read and read and read. Like, right, you know, like yeah. I've, I've looked at them and like gone back and like you know, in, in very much the same way, like you said, with albums, where like you know there are definitely albums that I listen to over and over again. Yeah, and. I don't think there are movies I've really watched over and over again since I was a kid. When sure. I was a kid, I could watch a movie like 50 times. Right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and the same with books, like it's, I can reread a book, but it basically has to be when I've forgotten what the book was about. Sure. Right. <laughs> like, right. But I could return to it. Um, and so I, I think there is that, that quality to it. And like, I remember, you know, like buying a comic, reading it, and then, like, immediately just going back to the start. Right, um, yeah. And, like, looking more at the pictures and more at the details and stuff. Right. Um, and and I, I like, I think definitely, like, not so much now, but in the past, I've, I've definitely thought about the way songs work mm-hmm. and, and wanted comics that work in very similarly to a song right that um, sort of rhythmic like you know uh, uh patterns and and yeah and this like mood and feeling and and not necessarily needing to give you too much right you know, like like you can have a great song and nobody asks you it's like well what's the story of right. this song it's like <laughs> it's more of a feeling or like a is. mood or... like the feeling and the mood and like you know the words can be very sparse but yeah have this the same effect Right. Um, and I, I think that's sort of maybe my like leaning in, in comics is sort of that like kind of sparse sort of moody. Yeah. Sort of and that, that's something that I really love. And I think is has has at least, you know, I, I personally think that particularly in the wake of um, 
And I mean, I think there's some like Vertigo comics that are the exception to this, but also like, you know, the British invasion and, and sort of the like huge dominance of, of, you know, the writer driven comics in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say this as someone who is like, you know, generally first a writer and drawing is the thing that I have to work a lot harder at to like get good at and, and be better at. But like, I do think that that's been a thing that's pulled away and made and made comics much more linear, much more, um, you know, uh, I don't know, d- direct, right? Whereas I, th- I think that there's so much more room, particularly in America, for like comics to, like you're saying, be more moody, be more mm-hmm. of, of a feeling, be more like hit you more on a subconscious level than like a logical level. Yeah. And, and, and I think like w- when there are words and if there are a lot of words, it does become very linear. Right. That, and, and I often think like with, with a lot of like pages, I'm like, these images don't actually need to be seen in a proper sequence. Right. You know, like, you know, like the, like these four images I think of as all happening at the same time. And it doesn't matter if the fourth one is seen before the second one, but once you start putting words in, yeah, that changes and it doesn't have that sort of like flexibility. Right. Um, yeah. Cause it, cause it inherently when you're putting in word balloons, inherently it becomes linear you yeah. know like because it, it has it to becomes, it's a conversation it becomes left to right going yeah. down like uh. that's so interesting i and 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 to sort of bring it back to prime um one thing that i really love in in sort of looking at when you were first you know jumping into this project or at least putting it out on on patreon mm-hmm. um you had this you know little sort of series of rundown uh posts and i one an image that I it's just an image that I really love from those posts is the the gods of CMYK. It's an image that's like stuck <laughs> right, in right. my head for so long. And and essentially yeah. it's you know a picture of these three like very, you know, sort of archetypal like godlike beings that are that are, you know, pure black, pure uh, uh cyan, pure magenta, and pure yellow. Yeah. And I've like it it's stuck in my head because I think that it, it is such an interesting and fitting place to start this story from in terms of like the the creation myth of this story right is Uh that like on a metatextual level it's the way that comic books are created the way that the mythologies of of you know modern day have been created and within the story it's sort of you know the thing that gives life there but tell me about where those sort of ideas were were inspired by and how you kind of arrived to those types of things um well i'm not sure that i'm the CMYK has kind of gone by the white, the wayside. Right, right. You know, it's, it's just become black and black and white, right? Um, sort of, which um, I think is fitting in the story. But I love the CMYK thing as like yeah, a, yeah. Oh, an I, origin. I, I felt good about myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, um, so I, I think sort of like this. One of the ideas was sort of to have like an elemental figures, like right. that there there are sort of gods, and then there are like demigods and and there are more just normal people right and like for like the the higher level I, I didn't want something like a pantheon and so sort of the the four sort of like classical elements of like earth wind fire and water right like those sort of made sense to me and then somehow i was like thinking about like i, I wanted like the way that the gods were sort of represented to be different from the sure. way that the humans were um, or the, the demigods were, and which is still the case, like the, the God that's white or light. I haven't, I haven't quite <laughs> figured out the name yet, um, is all negative space. It's, uh-huh. it's just, you know, blankness on right. the page. And then black is like just 
there's no actual definition. You don't actually see like the body in any way. Which I, I um, really, I really fucking love, man. Like there's like 10 years ago, someone in Green Lantern was kind of doing that where like the black of their costume was just flat black. And it was yeah. always such a striking image to me. And like seeing that for both black and for white with these kind of otherworldly higher beings is mm-hmm. feels so perfect. Anyway, oh, continue. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think with, with CMYK, like my idea was like, okay, there will be like pure black and then there'll be a person that's just like, Pierce, like, and they, they will, they won't have any lines. Like, they right. will, they will just be that color. Um, and, and so, I, I just liked the. I felt like the the medium would sort of support these sort of four elemental beings, and it would sort of like reinforce this idea of they are the the basics. Um, sure, that that makes a lot of sense. I, I'm, I, I like the way that they are handled so much because, like, I mean this this book it takes. It takes a lot of the things that people, especially after Hydra, right, that people, you know, sort of know you for the very um, formalist, you know, sort of structure oriented storytelling, right? Um, and it has a lot of that sort of silent storytelling sensibility mm-hmm. to it as well. But then you do have these two gods who are ki- are typically the ones who are coming in with dialogue. Like anytime mm-hmm. there's dialogue in this book, m- almost entirely it's, it's uh, the gods, which... Also, in addition to sort of like the, the things that we already talked about, sets them apart from, right. you know, sort of the demigod and, and, and people that we are, are experiencing, um, which is just it's a really cool like, you know, again, like kind of this layers of meta text level and, and way <laughs> of kind of separating things for the audience. And, and I guess what the question that I'm sort of building to there is like with your work, you seem very interested in the way that the form itself informs the reader. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm wondering, have you always been that mechanical of a, of a thinker? Have you always like kind of been a tinkerer of things or is that something that came as you started uh, making comics? Maybe. I, I think there are like <laughs> parts of my personality that are very much like, you know, it, it's, I, I think both Hydra and Prime are a little obsessive, sure. um, in, in sort of like the, the organizing of things. And I think that's, um, probably always been there uh um, but like, <laughs> like i remember as a kid like you'd play legos with like the other other kids right and like the castle wall pieces you know the windows oh yeah of course and at, I at the bottom there's like the little gap uh-huh. uh where you put the like one by two piece and like right. to, to connect the two walls together right. and i remember like playing legos with another kid and he wasn't putting the one by two piece there he was just <laughs> sticking these two walls down and I was like, no, <laughs> like you have <laughs> to put this piece there. Otherwise, it's not complete, um, you know, which is kind of weird, for like a five-year-old, I think. Uh, I, I get that, though, <laughs> like man. I was gotta, such a big Lego kid, too. Yeah, like, and I would get uh, so we my cousin and I, we would put together. I mean, we, we did all sorts of stuff and we would make stories out of Lego, right? Which was like where yeah. the storytelling thing started because we'd you know, make these little worlds and then make up stories behind them. But like one thing that we always tried to do is we would have this little contest to see who could build the most durable spaceship. <laughs> and so we'd like the, the rules were yeah. basically that it had to, you know, sort of look like a spaceship, but that a character had to be able to sit down inside of it. Right. right. And outside yeah. of that, it was whatever. And so we would try and come up with these like structural sort of like 
you know, solutions with Legos yeah. to see if we could throw it in my unfinished basement against a cement wall, <laughs> throw it against the wall, and whoever's survived was the winner. Like a Lego egg drop or something. Yeah. yeah. It was that same type of thing, right? Where you're like looking yeah. at the pieces and being like, no, it needs this. Otherwise, yeah. it won't yeah. be able to do this. Yeah. Um, so like that that kind of like focus, I think, has always been there. Um, right. With with comics, I think it's it's been something that's sort of like, grown and like thinking about like how i respond to comics um and like you know if you're at a convention or something like that like how it appears that people are responding sure to your comics and sort of thinking thinking about these these levels of presentation that uh-huh. go on within like a comic you know and sort of that you know how how do you tell people what this is without telling them what it is so that like they can look at it and be like, Oh, I know what this is. And as opposed to being like, I'm not sure what this is. And sort of like, I think that got me thinking about all these, these levels of like the structure and the form of it. And so that like, I I think Hydra works as a story, but then it also like, I feel like you can just look at it and, and be like, Oh wait, this is not going to work the way a normal comic is. Yeah. Like it, it and, and so I was thinking about how can I tell people it's not going to work the way a normal comic is like right away, you know, sure. and, and like at any page you can look at it and be like, okay, this is, <laughs> and I, I hate it um, <laughs> or, or, or I like it or I, I want to see where this is going to go. Right. Um, and so I, I think that's become something that I've thought more and more about. And like with, with comics, I feel like they just have these like, these like levels that you sure. can like sort of step up on like so like first you're just thinking about like a drawing you know right. and then and then you're thinking about okay the composition of like the panel sure. and then and then it's like well the composition of the panel within the composition of the page and then it's like well the composition of the page within the composition of the spread and then right you know like the composition of the spreads within like <laughs> yeah know, within it, the entire like, book like, yeah it's like sort of expanding um it's rhythms outward yeah, it's all like rhythms and things like that. It's 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 so interesting that you say that because yeah, I and I think that's one of the reasons why Hydra had such a strong response right out the mm-hmm. gate, especially, you know, when it came out from Image, like people look at that book and right away even on the cover, which, you know, like really, you know, brilliant job to you, like the cover kind of tells you what you're in for in some ways where you're like, okay, I know it's sci-fi, it seems to be a formalist work that's based on some kind of grid because it's showing me that there, right? And there seems to be some form of like organization and transcendence of kind of like the linear panel structure that I'm used to. Uh, like all of that in a, in a very simple cover is is, is pretty well communicated. Um, and I think even a word like hedra, because it's inherently a geometric word, uh, yeah. tells you that there's going to be some structure stuff going on. Like it's, it's you know, yeah. very good. But, and, and I think I was I was a little bit lucky because like um, when I did my the self published newsprint edition, right? You know, it was it was forty eight pages, and it was like it was also a newspaper. And newspapers, I don't think of newspapers as having covers, right? So it was just like page one is is the cover, and it wasn't like I I had these ideas in my head, right? But then when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is really good because like you look at this and you get a lot of information about it. Right. Um, and then, then I think with the image cover, 
it also works well because if you put it on a comic book shelf in a store, I don't think anything else looks like it. Like, right. you know, like there is last time I went to a comic book shop, there's like no white on any covers. Like there's no negative space. They are like full Packed. bleed, full color, bright colors. And there's this weird thing with like purple squares right. and a, a spaceship on it. Um, so I think I sort of got like lucky in, in, in that sort of sense. Um, but yeah, and the name too was sort of like, you know, I'm doing this grid of five panels uh, by seven panels. And I was like, okay, the name needs to be five letters. Right. Like, like it, it, it can't be longer than that and sort of like it all all clicks together um, <laughs> kind of in a fortunate way no it's 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 really cool and i'll tell you one of my um one of my deepest regrets is is that uh i i saw i discovered like your work and 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 uh hydra right before the image announced or image edition was announced and i saw it up on etsy with the newsprint edition and i was like i'm gonna buy that but like at the time <laughs> i was like very low on money and was just like okay yeah. i gotta like a couple months couple months like i'll be able to and then like the image was what version was announced and soon after the uh the newsprint edition sells out um and so i'm always kicking myself because i absolutely <laughs> love like newsprint or like risograph yeah. or whatever um all that kind of stuff it's such a fun yeah there's way of experiencing there's like a, a tactile quality to the to the newsprint right. of like the way it feels and um that i like you know as like a you know like sort of the, the old comics like the just the way they feel like right. that that quality and yeah. like with with hydra like you'll get ink on your hands if you mm-hmm. if you handle it too much like you know like which is fucking cool <laughs> yeah yeah like i'm like oh that's cool and like yeah. when i got like all of them from the, the printing place it's like oh it really smells like newsprint in here like you know it has a smell about it so. yeah it's it's absolutely wonderful uh uh and that's yeah i i'm like as someone who because i sort of live back and forth between la and and uh new york i inherently just kind of have to keep my process pretty contained mm-hmm. you know because yeah. i have to be able to put it in a backpack and take it with me yeah. uh and so almost all of my work is digital except for like random sketchbooks that i'll pick up but like it's it's one thing that i'm always trying to bring out in my digital work is that mm-hmm. sense of tactile you know like kind of the the, the bite to it the yeah, the tooth yeah. you know um and so it's it's something that i appreciate when it's actually achieved sort of on its own <laughs> you know because yeah, it's the yeah, thing that like, i long for yeah, it's yeah, if you just print it on, you know, cheap, low quality paper, all of a sudden the, the colors <laughs> change a little bit. Um, <laughs> totally. Um, well, so and let's let's continue talking about Hydra a bit. I mean, when when you're putting this book together, because it's got such a uh, kind of complex structure to it, is there is there a factor of that 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 makes it take longer for you to put together? And I'm sure this applies to Prime as well. But like, do you find that the structure t- takes longer or makes it more difficult or do you find that it actually frees you in certain ways um well i I think hydra took a long time Mm -hmm. like and and i'm not sure if if it was necessarily the the structure that made it take so long but it it was sort of like the the process was not a clean process um where like i i felt like i would have these ideas of like okay this is how a page could work and I would, you know, lay it out, but I couldn't, I wouldn't really know until I'd actually done the page. Right. And then I'd do the page and be like, doesn't work. <laughs> um, and like, you know, do it again. <laughs> right. Do it again. And so like certain, 
certain sections took a lot long time to do involved like a lot of like drawing and redrawing mm -hmm. um and i i don't know that it's like i have any like prescribed specific rules but it was like by as as it went along more and more rules had been written by the book itself sure like you know like in the first five pages there aren't any words that doesn't mean there aren't any words throughout the book Right. But by page 30, there aren't any words. It means like there probably shouldn't be any words. So, sure. you know, when there's this meeting with the gods uh, and this astronaut, it's like it would be a good time to use some words. <laughs> like, like, like this, would, <laughs> this, would, this idea would come across much more, more mm -hmm. simply if, if there were words. Right. But I've kind of made it a rule now that there are no words. <laughs> and so figuring out how to convey this idea of like offering that the gods are doing to this astronaut mm -hmm. and, and showing, showing what they're offering was, was right. quite complex and took a lot of like sort of trial and error and not getting it right. Um, well, and I, and I do think that's something about Hydra that because, because I think, and one thing I wanted to ask you about is that uh, one of the biggest disadvantages and, and, you know, we talked about it a bit, but one of the biggest disadvantages of of doing wordless comics or even largely word, wordless comics is that there will be a lot of people who automatically are s basically skimming through and and mm -hmm. not really you know sucking in the images and stuff and i think that scenes and situations like that are kind of an interesting and and i think effective antidote to that where it's like you actually do have to be paying attention you know like you yeah. actually have to understand the images and take them in yeah, I, I think I think you can read it quickly, but mm. I, I think it does reward paying a little bit more attention. Like I remember right. um, a review of like the newsprint one, and the person said they read it once and they didn't realize there was a story. Um, you know, and which like you know, I'm like, wow, that's that's impressive that you can go through it and not see the story. Right. Um, and sort of, I, I think I think the way it works kind of insists that like you need to pay attention like to the art right. you can't just skim this i hope yeah i mean i that, um, that was my experience and, and yeah. i do think though you know there is something to that of like hedra works very similarly to an album right <laughs> like you're yeah. saying where it's like it, it is a thing that can hit you on a lot of different levels and that, that you can access on a lot of different levels depending on sort of what state of mind you're coming to it with yeah um um and I th and again, it, yeah, it's the kind of thing that rewards rereading. Re it rewards, you know, like kind of reading in a nonlinear fashion. It reward like it's it's a very uh, yeah, just much like an album. It's a thing that you can experience a lot of different ways, which is really cool and and rare to see. Um, and I guess you know, sort of coming off the back of that, like when you're making this book, what is the biggest thing that you're hoping to accomplish personally working on the book? And then what is the biggest thing you're hoping to accomplish just sort of like with, with putting it out to people? Um, with, with Hydra? Like, yeah, with Hydra. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think, I guess, I don't know that I started off with that clear of an idea in my sure. mind of like what I, I hope to accomplish necessarily. Um, but it, to some extent, it was coming from a place of pr frustration, sure. um, which was I had done this book um, called All Star that came out with um, MBM. And it, 
I felt like I'd worked on it for like three years and it just like, it came out and that was that. Like, <laughs> like, you know, it was just like silence and, and people just weren't interested in it. Um, right. And sort of like frustration with like that failure. Um, but also sort of this frustration that like people weren't seeing what I was seeing. Uh-huh. <laughs> like when I, when I look at a comic and, and sort of like, I think in, to some extent with like Hydra, there's like a lot of ideas. Like, it's like, I've seen this before. Right. And I've noticed it. Like, but I'm going to make, I'm going to insist <laughs> that you open this comic. You, you notice what's going on between these panels. Right. Um, and so, you know, there's like, you know, panels and action spread out across like five panels or something or more, you know. Sure. And, those are things that have been done and I've done and you can definitely, you can see them in superhero things. Right. But I don't necessarily feel like people appreciate them. (laughs) It's like, I want, I want you to look at this. Um, Yeah. It's sort of, I I think that to some extent was like my, my frustration coming out of like having done this book and just feeling like it wasn't seen like, you know, like, like people just for all sorts of reasons, it, it just wasn't seen you know, and, and wanting to be like, no, you're going to have to notice this, mm-hmm. like, um, which makes it sound like very aggressive, which I don't think it no, was. No, but, but I, 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 I think was sitting on a couch and started drawing. Like a well, sure. But, uh, but that is a, I think that is a natural response to something like that. And I, th- I think it's also an admirable one, right. To be like, and truly, I think there is, you know, I think sometimes defiance is a very, uh, 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 powerful tool to use creatively. And I think that, that, that feeling of like being a bit pissed off that, you know, something didn't, didn't quite land the way that you wanted and being like, well then fine, I'm going to make something that like, you can't help, but note like that you have to notice and you have to pay attention to to some degree. A a little child. (laughs) Hey, it's a powerful motivator. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, and, but along with that, I, I think there was, you know, also a fair amount of frustration with myself and that that with All-Star, regardless of its quality mm-hmm. in itself, like it was like this type of, of comic that I was no longer really interested in making by the time I was done with it. It, it right. didn't, I don't think I would have bought it, you know, like mm-hmm. if somebody had told me about it, I'd be like, yeah, it doesn't sound like my thing. Um, and sort of like, but it it was of the style that when I had started drawing comics, that was the style of comic that I liked. Right. And, and just realizing like being like, Oh, this is no longer, it's no longer fits me. Like sure. I, I want to do something else. I don't, I'm not that interested in reality and slice of life. And you know, the, the books that I read when I was like 23, 24, not the books that I'm reading now. Right. And it's nothing against those books. It's just not where I am. And yeah. sort of like, kind of like, wanting to remove this idea of how I did comics in my head and sort of be like, no, let's, let's just look at this as like an exploration and see, see what you want to do and how you want to do it. Um, and sort of like break down and sort of clean out all the garbage (laughs) (laughs) in my head. Um, so I, I feel like frustration of like a failure in sort of like the acknowledgement of a work, but also like frustration with myself at the same, same time. Right. Um, <laughs> no, that that makes that makes a lot of sense, and I think Again, that's. I don't know how yeah. positive that sounds, but like, no. um, you know, and and really just sort of like opening it up and just like 
yeah, it's, it's, you know, I don't know, trying on a new pair of shoes or something, you know, <laughs> and just right. being like, I, I don't think I need to be this person anymore. I think I can just <laughs> draw whatever I want. And also somewhat liberated because I'd worked so hard on this book that failed. And I was like, well, if it's going to wow. fail, who cares? Uh, I might as well just do whatever <laughs> well, I'm interested in. That's also really interesting too, because was it as, as far as I'm aware, All-Star was your first published work? No. Or was it not? Okay. Um, my first published work was a book called Flower and a Flower and Fade, um, also with MBM. And then there was another uh, one after that, which was called Joe and Azat. Like, n- none of them were particularly successful. Um, Got it. You know. Um, and were those, were both of those books black and white as well? Yeah, those were, all, all three of them were, were black and white. And was that, I'm, I'm curious if sort of like that, 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 you know, uh, friction point where you're, where you, you know, you're frustrated with how all-star was received and how it went like is that part of the reason why you started including color in your process or was that a totally separate thing that you arrived in um probably probably separate Interesting. Um, because i i feel I, I guess i just felt with i i guess what sort of one of the things that sort of changed is is sort of and maybe this is not good for me from a business point of view <laughs> is is that i had this like this is how i do things Mm-hmm. And this is the way things work for me. Right. Um, and I, I think it started just becoming like, well, what does this idea need? And, right. and how will this idea best be expressed? Um, and so with like Hydra, I, it really felt like it needed color um, for it to to be as graphic as it is. Right. A lot would be lost if it were just black and white um, yeah. or grayscale. And so it sort of needed the color. And so I sort of had to learn how to do color. <laughs> um, uh, and that's sort of with Hydro is sort of me learning, beginning to, to right. figure out color, which well, I so, still struggle with. Um, <laughs> and I, I kind of want to talk about color as well. And, and maybe this will sort of bridge into um, talking about Planet Paradise, because one thing I found very interesting about Planet Paradise is it felt like a departure almost in some ways a departure and in some ways a, a um, return to, you know, a departure from sort of some of the things that you had done in Hydra mm-hmm. um, and an evolution of some of the things that you had done in Hydra, as well as sort of a return to some of the more um, like some of the, the, like you're saying slice of life aspects mm-hmm. of all star, sure. but still right. mixing with the like high science fiction, you know, bomb bombasticness of, of Hydra. Like uh, tell me about, developing that project i mean first off you did a lot of different things with your coloring process in planet mm-hmm. paradise what was that born out of sorry what was that what, what was it born like what what led to you evolving the the process um i, I think with, with color you know it's mm-hmm. like building of skill and feeling comfortable like sort of okay. doing a little the the coloring in in hydra is is pretty minimal um, and it's it's partially minimal as a choice, but it's also partially minimal because that that's my limits, right? Of <laughs> like like this is this is all I can do. And I think by the time I was coloring Planet Paradise, I'd, I'd gotten a little more comfortable um, with color and doing a, a few more complex things. Uh-huh. Um, and it also felt like with the the type of story, it's much less. Um, graphic i mean like graphic not in the violent or anything i'm just like visually it's 
it's not as graphic. Um, <laughs> yeah. That it, it wouldn't benefit from that kind of same coloring. Right. Um, that, that Hedra would. Um, so that sort of led to that, the, it having the color that it did. Um, it's, it was, it was a really interesting thing to see. And I think it was such a, I think it was a great choice as a follow-up to Hedra because it showed like a, a wide range, right? Like I think sometimes people are, they'll get a little pigeonholed right out the gate where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is the person who does this specific thing. Right. And then anytime they try to stretch out of that, people are like, wait, 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 that's, we've already seen three other books that did that thing. Why are you doing this thing now? You know? And like, yeah. so I think it was really cool to be like, Hey, here's something that has through lines from that last thing that you liked, yeah. but it's got more dialogue. It's got, you know, less like sort of rigid formalistic structure. Uh, uh, it's got, you know, colors that are more wide ranging and more, mm-hmm. you know, like whatever. Uh, and it's also got, you know, a very like humanist, like, you know, interpersonal relationship more than yeah, an existential it's, one. It, yeah, it's, it's a very different book. And I think I think people who are expecting like Hedra <laughs> um to get this like kind of weird interpersonal relationship <laughs> story set on a desert planet um, were probably, uh, I don't know, disappointed, I would, I would guess. <laughs> um, well, and I'll tell you, it was surprising to me at first, right? Like, and I, and I discovered it at first on your Patreon because mm-hmm. um, you were you were still, I think, finishing that up when I when I first subscribed, right, and yeah. uh, it, it was surprising for sure. It was it definitely wasn't what I was expecting, but I immediately was like, oh my god, I'm so on board with this, you know? Like, I'm 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 so into what you're doing here, and and partially because I love seeing people like take swings uh, yeah. more than try and play it safe. Yeah, I, I was. I was a little, I mean, I, I, I guess I've been surprised by everything. Um, right. Like I was surprised that Image picked up Hydra. Sure. But then I was also surprised that they, they picked up Planet Paradise. Um, just because I feel it's, it's like a harder book to pin down. Um, right. it's, it's sci-fi, but it's, it's, you know, it's not the Matrix or anything like right. that. It's, and it's kind of got this weird interpersonal thing. Um, it's much more like a, a much more indie book, I think, right? Um, than Image normally publishes. Um, yeah, the most it feels like the most um, um, sort of like far-reaching example I could like equate it to in terms of genre would be like a, a movie like Palm Springs. I don't think I saw. Did you see that? that movie. It, it came out uh, like fairly early in the pandemic, but it was. It was originally a Sundance film that was made by Andy Samberg, um, which is like it's a it's a sort of uh, rom-com, but this. it's like a Groundhog Day, like kind of science fiction yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. And it's definitely I, I not like, yeah. OK, yeah. So, it, well, you know, it's not like they're not of a piece in any way. But like, I think that's like the closest that it gets to like having sort of a relatable, like, uh, you know, far reaching example of like what type of realm it's kind yeah. of playing in, you know? Yeah, I, I feel like it, it fits into like this, I don't know, indie movie sort of place of, yeah. of like, um, you know, and I feel a lot of comics and, and things like that's like a weird place to be. Yeah. <laughs> sort of, uh, so, right. Uh, but it is also the, a thing that like, I mean, you know, to, to, to be frank and not that any, you know, comic is trying to be a movie but in terms of that sensibility there's almost no other medium that you can tell that story in right especially visually where it's like who the fuck is gonna give a hundred million dollar budget to you know like kind of a relationship story yeah um no that's like the the great thing about comics is right you know like it doesn't need a ton of funding uh to to get a comic done it just needs one person yeah um, who's, who's patient um 
was was there any element of putting Planet Paradise together that you found sort of the most challenging or difficult? Uh, yeah, I mean, it it didn't come together that easily. Um, it it started off as like a, a like a sketchbook story. Mm. Um, like so, I I carry around these like little like little like moleskin right. sketchbooks that are like three inches by five inches, and I just sort of make up stories in them and and planet paradise was one of those stories um and it it was one that i i really liked in the sketchbook form but the the sketchbook form that it was drawn in it's like i'm just drawing with like a pilot you Mm -hmm. know and it's straight in ink there's not a lot of like i don't consider like layout or anything like that right and then like how to turn it in to like a big finished comic um involved a lot of like fits and starts yeah that uh-huh. makes a lot of sense because like part of me wanted to to keep the the rawness sort of of like the original sketchbook yeah um but then once it was like done big it's like i don't know it's losing something and it does have the space grandeur so like scrap scrap stuff and do a, like a little more finished version a little more polish on it and right. um you know how, how like and but it can't go like full on hedra at all because right. like, it, it's that would be like misleading and so it's like how to how to make this a functional sort of small story it's it's really interesting and i i yeah i think that there's it's 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 interesting the ways that yeah like uh, keeping it away from that territory of like hyper formalism is, right. is certainly <laughs> necessary for for the kind of story it is um, and I also I found it fascinating the amount of like pages that you would have, you know, a decent amount of like open white space within mm-hmm. the panel structure. And I'm wondering where where that sort of decision came from. Um, I think I, I think that that probably just came out of like, I just don't think there needs to be anything there. <laughs> I, I, I like I, I think I, I think it's it might've actually come out of the original sketchbooks of like how I would sort of like break a scene is I would just like skip a few panels, you know, and just start drawing with a big blank space. And I feel that that created a space in it that like gave sort of more of a sense of time and, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, And so I, I think it probably sort of came out of that. I also like, in some ways I feel like it was kind of maybe like manga influenced, like the way, the way the pages bleed is definitely like me looking at manga and how like one panel bleeds, but none of the rest of the page bleeds. Um, And I just think that's like, Oh, that's a really like, doesn't always have to be bleed, 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 full bleed. It's like, you could just have this one part bleed. um, Right. And sort of, yeah, just like having, and also that gave it sort of a light way that it's still having sort of some formalist elements of how like your eye moves across the page. Right. Um, while if it was sort of more in like a standard on a six panel thing, it, it wouldn't have that quality. That makes, yeah, totally. That's, that's really interesting to think about. Um, I am actually curious. One, one question uh, to talk about Hedra just a little bit more is like, have you thought about putting that book out in like uh, uh, like a hardcover sort of graphic novella format, you know, throwing some process pages in the back or something to sort of pad the the count? Yeah, it's it's something I've thought about. Um, and I think 
I, I mentioned it to Image, um, but they they weren't interested yet, at least. Mm. Um, like I feel like uh, give it some time. Um, sure. I think I think there are still copies available as right. well of of the the Image version. That's so good I to think, know. Yeah, if if you know if somebody wants to order it, I don't hey. know how hard it is to order from from diamond like i just was ordering copies because i've been right. out for a bit and it took a while to, to, to get them ordered i have to go through image right like, why is this taking so long is this what stores have to deal with <laughs> like this is ridiculous like um yeah so I, I don't know um talk to it, your stores it, people yeah. see um, see if you can get that available. uh you know the, um, the, the the first edition of or i guess technically the second edition of hydra sold out um, um and then they can but talk yeah, about it. it's it's something I, I've thought about, and it's also something I like debate, like like the, the process stuff. I didn't really document the process, and and so and I don't know, like there are like probably an equivalent amount of thrown out pages to mm. pages that are in the book, like like fifty at least. I mean, um, but I don't know that I actually want people to see it. Interesting, <laughs> like, like, you know, like. I feel like it works by itself and, right. and seeing it not work. I, I don't know how interesting that is actually. Sure. <laughs> like, you know, like it's so like, you know, I have those pages, but I don't know that that's actually process. That's just uh-huh. like, yeah, that didn't work. And that didn't work. <laughs> um, and then sometimes I, I debate like trying to write about it, but uh, I don't like writing about anything. <laughs> Uh, like, like, uh, but like uh, I just had a thing where I had to write like captions for my drawings and they're like 20 words a piece and I was like 20 words it's oh, so man. many yeah uh, I hate it uh, that's so interesting I wonder if man I'm like I'm trying to think of because I'm sure that the the thought is like it needs a few more pages in order to be packaged that yeah, way I think, I think it would probably need to to get up to like 80 right or, or so roughly uh, 60 maybe. Um, and it right now I think it's at 50 some, um, I've thought about like just talking about polyhedra and like platonic solids and comic book forms. Hey. And like, cause I got, while I was writing a hedra, I got like quite obsessed, like right. with platonic solids and how they work <laughs> and how they've been used in, in history. Um, and none of that, all of that informs what's in the book, but none right. of it is in the none book. Of it has I, any, don't, yeah. I don't expect anyone to to look at it and be like, oh yeah, that is clearly a water element. Right. Um, like, uh, yeah, yeah. So, and it's not necessarily like it lends itself to having like, you know, if you were to do like a few mini comics as companion pieces, I mean, I guess there's like ways to do that, but it's not like they would be directly like related to the story yeah. necessarily. Like, Hmm. Yeah, that's a... I, I don't know. It's it's, it's something <laughs> I've thought about, but haven't haven't come up with a definitive answer. Sure. Um, I, one thing I wanted to talk to you about a little bit was that like the 30s and 40s newspaper strips. You you've talked about how those sort of fed in and, and influenced mm-hmm. Hydra a bit, and I, I kind of want to know more about like the specific strips that you were looking at and and what some of the things were that were really inspiring you or informing the book itself. Um, I mean, uh, Gasoline Alley. Um, hmm definitely has kind of that kind of playing with the whole page. Right. Um, Little Nemo in, in Slumberland, I feel had that, I, I guess when I, when I, 
I think about them, they, they have this sort of like visual grandeur that I was sort of like kind of going for. Um, and, and also like, I, I, there's just like this, like, I don't know, like there's this fun in like Buck Rogers, like, sure. and, and it's, it's kind of like, I, I don't know. It, it, it feels like, I guess to me, it feels like it can go anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. and, and sort of like kind of getting those kinds of stories and not, not getting bogged down. Oh, I just said I got bogged down, but not getting bogged down in <laughs> mythology or anything like that. Sure. But just sort of like having it be this kind of like clean, simple, simple story, yeah. um, which is something I felt feel like those stories have. And also like, I feel there is like this consideration of the, the page, um, right. you know, that they were, you know, printing on these full pages of, of a newspaper back when newspapers were huge. Right. Um, and like, I, I like that idea. Just the, the pure real estate that you're, yeah. you're given there. Totally. That's, it's, it's very interesting. And, and, uh, I think to, to sort of tie into, um, you know, the next of your projects that I wanted to talk about today faster, uh, that feels to me, I mean, particularly like the type of race and the type of cars, but also mm-hmm. like car comics in general are something that I deeply, deeply love. I'm, I'm a huge, like I grew up working on cars. I'm a big gearhead. I, you know, I like motorsports. Uh, and it is something that doesn't happen enough. I think per- partially because people don't like drawing cars often American comic artists, particularly. I don't understand that. I hear Same. that all the time and Same. I'm like, but cars are the best. Like, mm-hmm. like, uh, I, I really, I don't, I, I I'll accept it. The cars are hard to draw. But I'm like, I don't know. People laughing is much harder to draw than a car. Like, like having drawing someone laugh and look happy and not yeah. menacing in any way is, I find, is probably the hardest thing. Same, like, truly. You know, like a, a smirk, okay, no problem. Like someone being angry, okay. Someone like laughing pleasantly, like if you know, if you just like take a photo and trace it, it's like mm-hmm. that is a furious face. Yeah. And, and like the, the face has so much like nuance in it. And then like a car, it's like, it's a rectangle. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so, so simple. It's all geometric. It can all be mapped yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, so I, I love drawing cars and, uh, I'm with you, man. Um, yeah. Cars, cars were the first thing I ever drew when I was a kid. Yeah. I wanted to be a car designer. Like that was my, uh, my, yeah. you know, ideal job is I would, I would watch that show. Do you remember that show overhauling? That was like, people no, would, I don't think so there was this car designer chip foos and they had this whole, like the, the, the idea of the show is they would like, you know, someone's son would call the show or send an email to the show and be like, Hey, my dad's got this junker car that he's been planning on working on for years and years and years. And they would sort of like create kind of a story where like someone stole the car or something, but then they take it and like restore it and make it look amazing again. Um, but I was watching that show constantly and I was just like, I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy. I want to design cars. I want to make stuff look cool. And so just sketchbook after sketchbook of, of cars and, and ideas for things and stuff. And like, it's the thing now where like my one of the sort of pet projects that I'm working on kind of in the background of other things is like a sort of knockoff Hot Wheels uh, comic. Okay. Yeah, those, are, <laughs> those are some good comics. I those mean, Toth ones, Alex man. Toth, yeah, like, oh. um, those are just fantastic. Yeah, um, it's it's something it's missing from comics. And I'm, I'm glad that you are a, a uh, <laughs> modern bastion of the form. Uh, uh, yeah, but. What I'm wondering is, I mean, where where does this, you know, where does this idea start to gestate from? And and is this something that because I as far as I'm aware, this is one that you had put together a while ago. Is that correct? Well, there was 
it, it's sort of been in in two forms. It it started as like I don't know, just like I sat down and started drawing, and I like there's something about the like late '60s Formula One mm-hmm. aesthetic, you know, of like the the way the helmets looked, and like because you know by the '70s it it starts getting more like they're they're driving like rocket ships, and they're right. they're dressing like they're driving rocket ships. Yeah, but like in in the 19 late 60s like they're still not wearing anything covering the bottom of their face yeah you know like they're they're racing really really fast but like and then they take off their goggles and it's like crispy <laughs> clean under where the goggles were and the rest of their face is black and, black you know they've got these like helmets that look like i don't know like jockey caps where they, have, yeah, they like, would a, not a protect visor. you in any way. yeah like they don't even cover the ears yeah like, um and, and so there's something and then the cars are just like a tube with the wheels yep. sticking out the side, something about those those aesthetics I just like love, right? Um, and uh, I just started like I'm going to do like a little goofy race car comic, and, right. and like to me, I say race car comic, and I clearly have something in my head, but I don't know if that's actually like a genre of comic. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a race car comic. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, like all those <laughs> other car comics. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, even like I feel like that Hot Wheels, the Toth Hot Wheels comic, at least in my head, is like the most famous car comic, really in general. And like, it's not, and it's not much of a race comic. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of a lot of hijinks. No, they're like solving like weird crimes. Yeah, like like people pirating tapes or something. Yeah, Uh, yeah. (laughs) I don't pay attention to the story in that book at all. Uh, Just look at look at the. I I would actually (laughs) skip the story and be like, "Where are the race cars?" Like. So I just started drawing it and it was like kind of this like, I think in, in some ways it, it might be the most me thing because it's <laughs> that I've, because it's sort of like, just like kind of like a jump drawer of ideas. Right. And, and so like, and the way things ca- connect together are pretty like tangential. Um, it's a lot of like, they're race car drivers, but they're not like, it's not realistic uh-huh. in any way. I sure. mean, you know, uh, and it's just kind of like this mix of stuff and like ideas. And so it just existed as like this sketchbook comic that I just kept drawing right. and drawing and drawing. And then uh, it's it was sort of like something that I, I had enough interest in and like uh, had this appeal to me that I was like, I should really do that right. Like mm-hmm. I, I sh- it shouldn't just like. It, it's always going to bother me that there is this comic that I halfway <laughs> did, um, and I want to to do it right, and then maybe I'll be able to let it go right. um, and stop thinking about starting it up again. And so uh-huh. it was. It's sort of like that was on my mind, and then Zach um, Zach Clemente, who's uh, the guy of Bulgi Han Press, right. uh, he was like, "Do you have like an idea?" And I was like, "I have this idea." And he's like, that sounds, sounds great. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so we did it. Um, yeah. So the, the comic that will be coming out was drawn last year. Got um, it. Yeah. So it, it's not that old, but then the, the sketchbooks probably started I don't know, five or six years ago. It's, um, I can't tell you how relieving it is to hear that someone else has a bunch of like half done sketch, like comics that they just made in their sketchbook that like oh, yeah. <laughs> haven't gone anywhere. 
I have a million of them. I have like, you know, five page comics that are just like a car chase or like a bank robbery or something like that. And I was like trying to figure out something like some formalistic thing where it was like, how do I show someone kicking out a windshield in the most oh. effective way? Panel to panel, you know, that kind of thing of like yeah. creating the energy of it and like the mm-hmm. force like. But yeah, like it, it's and then you'll like do that thing and be like, oh, OK, but then it does sit in the back of your head like. I should actually do that though. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, but then for me, it's like, yeah, but is race car comic, is that a thing? Like it can it, be, will, will anybody else see this? Um, and Hedro he, or he, Hedra wasn't a thing. I mean, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hedra, I really had like, sort of like no idea, you know, right. like, like what, whether anyone was going to like it. Like I would, I remember when I was working on it, like talking with like some friends and like mm-hmm. saying the name and they're like, what is that? Like <laughs> Hydra? Um, I was like, no, it's, it's, and like trying to explain it and then like showing people and they'd be like, is this the cover? I was like, no, this is a page. <laughs> um, so, so I don't know, but like, so we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I mean, <laughs> look, man. Um, I again, like I said, I love the swings and and like doing stuff that no one else is doing is uh, at least to me, that's a way of having a fulfilling and and interesting career. And like, you know, certainly there will be the times that like it comes out and it doesn't quite hit the way that you want it. But then there will also be other times where it's like, oh, I mean, I think as an example, you know, with Hedra, where it's like this thing just fucking hit, you know, like this, people just love it. it. And for the most part, it seemed pretty positive yeah um yeah so yeah i I guess for me it's it's also like i just sort of kind of do what i i want to do and i knowing knowing what i want to do is like a a whole different discussion because that's (laughs) very complicated right Um, but like it for me there's just sort of something like i i can't not do if it's not interesting to me it's like i can't do it like you know especially for like a comic for myself, if I'm working, doing like a job, that's sort of different. And I can just, of course, this is what I need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But like for my own thing, it's like, I don't know, it needs to be of interest for me. Um, Right. You know, I I would, and I feel everybody would probably be that way. Like you'd be really frustrated if you did, did your own thing and it wasn't really your own thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like, because what's the fucking point? Yeah, like, like, why, why are you doing it on your own? Like, yeah, that's it's interesting. I, I also wonder, did you ever at any point feel constrained about making faster and having it be, or at the time, I think it was called faster miles per hour, but yeah, you know, having it be a race, like one contained. Um like narratively or not even narratively, um, but like structurally to try and make sure that everything kind of added up and especially geographically added up oh no no not so much worried about that i I think there was like in my head i like plotted out an entire 16 race season like like, there there is a notebook that has like the standings (laughs) of 16 races going across the country and like listing where all the races took place and like (laughs) this one's going to be based on the nurburgring uh like part of me really would like to do like a a sports type comic mm-hmm. like that because one one of the things most a lot of comic people don't like sports sure but but one of the things about sports is you really just don't know what's going to happen right and and I like the idea of doing like a big season type of of comic where you don't know who's going to win 
Right. You know, like, and it would, because I feel like most of the time, if you watch a movie, you you know who's going to win. Like, sure. Because yeah. it's always centered around one yeah. character yeah, and like, you're always like, well, yeah, this guy's going to win that, you know, but like yeah. doing one that's about a season. And especially if you have kind of like, yeah, you know, like, two. Like, basing it on um, Hunt and L- Lauda, like, right. you know, just like wanting, oh. wanting to get that, like, because that, that, that season is, is ridiculous. Yeah. Like it, it's as like, it's, it's hard to believe that it's true. You know, like, Nikki like, Lauda has the craziest like life. I think of, of it's, it's almost insane. any sports figure. And then like he he burns up in his race car. He's back racing in like two weeks. Holy shit! Something. Is that yeah, how like, fast it's, it's, that was? He misses. He misses like maybe it's longer than that. But he misses like two races and then he's back. <sighs> which I don't think anyone would even allow no a race car driver to Are you do. Kidding that. me? Um, Should still be in the hospital at that point. <laughs> yeah, um, he like. Won the season before. He wins the next season. Retires. Starts like a Crazy. successful plane company. Crazy. Needs to make money. Returns in the 80s and wins again. It's just like, who is this? Unbelievable. People like I hear about, I'm like, I never want to meet them. Because yeah. they will make me feel so unfunctional. <laughs> like, <laughs> totally. like, how can you be that together that young? You can yeah. thrive in that much chaos, too. Yeah. And, like, yeah. be, and go away. And then just come back and be like, oh, yeah, no, I'm still great. Like, I'm I'm still an exceptional race car driver. Um, God damn. Um, Yeah. So it was like sort of like that season. But then, you know, bringing all sorts of like B movie weirdness. Sure. Into it as well. I'm I'm curious too. one thing that I've been and and it's one of those, you know, sort of on the the beat of just drawing cars in general and enjoying drawing cars. One thing that I do a lot in my sketchbooks is is try and find ways of showing exactly what the momentum is doing in one panel. You know, like if you're showing a car that was traveling at a high speed and is now Mm -hmm. stopping, right? Like communicating that in one image is can sometimes be a tough thing especially if you want the you know sort of like proportions and whatever of the car to add up which like generally i'm willing to bend a bit right mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. tell me about how you tackle some of those problems of like communicating exactly sort of the movement of these cars um i mean i they they flex a bit sure um i, I draw i draw cars kind of rubbery um like i i feel like and then i, I feel like a, a bit of like exaggeration and and sort of almost like old school comic tricks. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like if you're showing a car going really fast, there should be like little things like <laughs> flicking up off the ground behind it. Um, and I don't, I don't know that that's realistic. And you know, if right. you're Calvin and Hobbes or something, there's going to be a bolt or something yeah. flying off of the car. Oh, always, uh, yeah. You know, like uh, and so like doing that, and then like sort of trying to distort the the movement or like distort the relationship from one panel to the next uh-huh. um so like you know if it if it stops suddenly in my head what i immediately think is okay the front goes down and right. the back pops up which doesn't really happen no but, like, but that's the know, like, the inertia that's, that's the, the language that you yeah. know so like the back should really pop up like <laughs> yeah. like if it were reality it should pop and up and then it like, kind of like arcs a little air. bit yeah, where like, yeah um, i i was just gonna say one thing i picked up from chris schweitzer because i was really like i was trying to tackle a, a, a particular problem with that and and he was like look i 
in in my world in a page that i draw that has cars everything's covered in dust like everything's covered in dust that way anytime it moves there's just going to be dust flying off of it and and sort of guiding the direction um speed lines um you know um because that, that's lot. what helped me with the car stopping thing was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll just act like there was a ton of yeah, dust on the trunk cool. and, and right, the, yeah, there will be it, dust that just sort of sprays off of it and continues yeah, yeah. forward. That's so yeah, fun. All, th- those sorts of things. I, I think with the faster it is like a race. So there's not a lot of like, it's not like a right. car chase where there's like right, sudden brakes or anything. Yeah. It's, it's mainly people going straight forward. Right. Quickly. Uh, I'll tell you, man, I'm excited for it. I, I, I backed the Kickstarter, which as people are listening is now over, but I'm sure there will be, uh, you know, some sort of way to, to find a copy of that book maybe afterward. Uh, I think so. Um, I mean, the, the Kickstarter right now is fully funded. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, while we're speaking, there's a few days left, but I think when this goes out, um, yeah. it'll be over. Um, yeah. And I, I think there is like plans to do more, you know, make it more available. Fingers crossed, man. I, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to having it. Like I'm already covered, but I, I yeah, hope the I'm, listeners are able to. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to seeing it too because it's it's going to be a risograph oh, printing. Um, I love so that shit. It's like, so I've seen it on the computer, and I've right. seen like one page printed, but I haven't I haven't seen the whole thing. So I'm looking it's... forward to to getting to see like the the full full risograph effect. I love Rizzo yeah. so much, and I like am so scared to try it because I don't. I've never done it and I don't know how, but I love a Rizzo book. <laughs> I don't know if I know how either. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I do it right. Um, I've done like prints and, and the way I do it is I kind of just color and do things the way I do them. And then I just like split it up into channels right. of like CMYK and then cut out two channels and then play with the, the remaining channels in different colors. But Interesting. I, I feel that's not actually how people do it. Um, <laughs> like I, I feel, I, I kind of always feel like I'm behind the curve because I'm pretty much like self-taught. So I don't. Right. Same. I don't really know how you're supposed to do anything. Yeah. And so it's it's just resulted in me like I think this will work, and sometimes it does, <laughs> and sometimes it doesn't. And I think the the drawback of that is like I waste a lot of time doing things that other people know won't work right <laughs> but right. i don't know i don't know yet um <laughs> but then i think the positive side of that is like having figured it out on my own it's a little bit more idiosyncratic a little bit totally more personal um, and i i relate to that too because i and i think that this is one thing that i find very relatable in sort of how you approach the form and i think is sometimes rare and i think like someone who I had recently on the show matt fraction is is very similar where i think that we are all people who are kind of you know, they have a little bit of that engineer mind, that mechanical mind where like you need to know how the machine works in order to oh, use yeah. it. Yeah. I, <laughs> with, with the, with image, I wanted like to, I wanted to talk to the printer. Like, uh, <laughs> I like, can I, can I talk with the printer? Like, I want to know how it all works. Right. So I can do certain things. <laughs> like, you can't talk to the printer. Like these are your <laughs> options. You could do this. And I was like, but if I talk to the printer, <laughs> like, could, could I do this? Like, is, is this possible? Right. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of things like, you know, comics are based on eight. Sure. And I'm like, why is it based on eight? Why isn't it based on four? Like, <laughs> I understand four. I don't understand eight. Um, it'd be like, could you explain this to me? Very busy person who's managing like 30 books at a time. Like, right. 
you know, this one guy with this weird space comic, <laughs> uh, like wants, wants to talk with a printer. Uh, That's so funny. But, but I'm so totally the same way, man. I'm like, oh, cause yeah, I, I'm, I haven't printed a comic before. Like I'm, I'm looking down the barrel of doing that fairly soon. And, and like all of the research I've been doing to try and figure out like how different things are going to come out different ways and like mm-hmm. stitchings and like, you know, matte finish yeah. versus oh, unfinished yeah. and like all that shit where I'm like, I have to know this. Otherwise it's going to fuck the whole thing. up. Right. Yeah. And, and there's also like, I feel like there's like, this is the way we always do it. And right. I'm like, why? What? Like, like, like for me personally, mm-hmm. like with comics, the coded paper, I hate, I hate it. I'm like, why, why is the paper coded? Yeah. Like, and, and it just, the paper doesn't even feel like paper anymore. Right. And I'm like, and, and I asked like image, I was like, can I do get anything uncoded? And because everything is done coded to get it uncoded, which I'm like, it's something that isn't done. It's yeah. It's an un. Thing. I'm mm-hmm. like, please don't coat my paper. And They're it like, costs oh, more because they have to take it out of the, the cost, like 150. percent I'm like, what? Yeah. How? I just want raw paper. Like, <laughs> I, I want, I want that paper that we had in elementary school. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, that cheap, cheap yellow newsprinty type paper. It costs it's like, so much more to have that paper it, now. It's way more. Like, um, I'm like, why? <laughs> Yeah, wow. makes no goddamn sense. And, and it, it, every, everybody, everybody in Image has been very great. Let me just <laughs> no, totally. I, I am the typical person, but everyone was very, very friendly and helpful to me. No, but I totally uh, get you. And yeah, it's that thing, and it happens at you know, like any job you work at or whatever, where like there's a process that's that's involved right. in that job, and you go and you're like, okay, how do we do this? And they're like, oh, okay, well, we do it this way, this way, this way. And at some point, you go, wait a minute. Like you'll, you'll be there for like a couple weeks and you'll be like, wait a minute. So this thing comes from here and it needs to go to there. Like, and this is servicing this thing. So this person can do this. Right. Why don't we do this in this slightly different and quicker way? And they go, well, that's not how we do it. Like, well, no, but that's yeah. not an answer. That's, yeah. you can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, I, I yeah. get that, that frustration. Yeah. And I, I think like, you know, there, there, there are reasons it's, you of know, course. Mo- most of them are economic and it's, yeah, like, it's always money. The, a consistent smooth way for things right. to work um but it's you know I, I feel i guess to me i feel like obligated to ask mm-hmm. you know it's like like because maybe they'll say yes maybe they'll be like oh yeah we can we can do that on like crappy newsprint that will like right. <laughs> dissolve if it falls in the water <laughs> like you want that book yeah and i'll be like yes that's what i want hell yeah um, my dudes yeah it's you got to be the squeaky wheel like yeah. truly you know it's such an old <laughs> adage but like it always works to some degree and some people might be a little annoyed by you but ultimately like uh, annoyance is kind of worth it if, if you're yeah. you know actually well, like accomplishing something it's it's like this it's this frustrating like truth of like squeaky wheel gets the grease and like you know i've been in a situation where i'm the person giving the grease mm-hmm. and it's just like i don't want to deal with that squeaky wheel Right. And, and you know, and so like this, the squeaky wheel does get this attention that they really like, like in my like book of morals, it's like <laughs> they shouldn't get attention. They shouldn't be <laughs> bending over backwards for this person, this person who's just diligently doing their thing. Right. That's the good person. Right. They're just going to keep diligently doing their thing, whether I give them attention or not. Right. Uh, so. I will say though, I mean, 
as someone, and I think, you know, obviously a lot of people listening are artists. And so this is advice that I'm going to give all the artists out there is like, so I, you know, my day job is in animation and thankfully, you know, working for Netflix, they are a studio that is, that has a lot of opportunities for people to refer talented people that they know for jobs. And Mm -hmm. I have so many friends who are artists in various different capacities who don't let me know that they are looking for work or don't let me know that they are trying to move this direction right, in their right, career or whatever. Yeah. Right. And I'm just sitting here. I'm like consistently yelling at my friends being like, tell me what you need. Tell me what you're looking for. I can in two minutes, like send you to recruiters. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. And it's, it's again, like the squeaky wheel, sometimes it's annoyance, but sometimes it's just like, you have to let people know what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Otherwise yeah. It, it's going to be infinitely harder to accomplish that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I, I, I struggle with like being like letting people know like this is what I want to do like I think that's probably one of my biggest weaknesses but, it's hard so, it, it, yeah it's always like embar- and I I mean honestly I do the same thing and so I get mad at people for it but like I do the exact same thing yeah. uh, uh, but it's like it's just one of those things where you look at people that are like you know either succeeding or just like doing the things they want to do or whatever and like oftentimes that will come from like them asking questions them telling right. people stuff right yeah um anyway not not to make this entire episode about um you know philosophy on life and how you accomplish but um to to get back to prime uh to sort of wrap up how long is this story going you know you, you like you said you've got 120 pages and a couple of chapters like um, do you have sort of a definitive length yeah it's it's five chapters um and i'm i'm thinking about 350 pages um, Whoa. so um i've i've drawn all of chapter two um haven't colored it yet uh mm. so and i've started started work on chapter three and so it's you know it's it's planned each of the each of the chapters is sort of roughly planned out and going to a conclusion um i haven't figured out how to publish it just yet that's um, what i'm curious about yeah because it the chapters are too long to work as like a, a series and can't can't be split apart like right. i don't think i could say like oh here are the first 20 pages it just sort of ends at a weird point um, right so it feels like it possibly could be broken up into to three graphic novels you know like right. chapter one and two being one uh three and four being two and then five just being a longer last chapter right um the epic conclusion might work or or just like a massive tome uh which i i kind of like uh, right you love having uh, that big spine on the bookshelf that sort of stands out just like because i guess because part of it also feels like it's one piece like i I break it into chapters but it is like right it's meant to be sort of seen all at once and so i'm very appreciative of like people on patreon who are getting like two pages every week right and, and happy with that because i'm like yeah i don't like the page i i posted last week mm-hmm. is basically three drawings <laughs> i was like i was like nervous it's a great page it. though it's like uh this isn't very much to see on a for a week it, i think it'll look great in a book right uh so well and i think i think that the cool thing about and and one of the reasons you know i mean I, like i'm uh, I, I love being subscribed to your Patreon for a few reasons. A, that you've got all of Planet Paradise on there. You've yeah. got all of Prime so far on there. But in addition to those things, you also have so much process, sketchbooks, you know, notes, like different things, which yeah. is really, really awesome because it it shows a way, you know, like sort of a peek into your headspace and your creative space and 
And I think part of it for me is like that sort of mechanical thinking and that experimenting and that that thought process right. is something that I relate to a lot and I get a lot out of. Um, you know, and so I, I think that your Patreon is a great one, a very meaty one. And all the, oh. the listeners out there who are like, you know, looking for some good comics content, like that's a good place to go, truly. And as like an added bonus, you know, if we're talking about like in terms of the feasibility of making, you know, a 350 page tome and of being right. able to wait that long to put, you know, right, a yeah. work out to the market, a way of helping make that happen yeah, would yeah, be for would. people to subscribe to the Patreon, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely would make it easier. I mean, it's. <laughs> It's something that I'm working on while I'm working on totally other things. And I, I think I draw pretty fast, actually. Um, and and yeah. so two pages a week drawing-wise, is I'm able to do it and sort right. of keep, keep my life on, on track. <laughs> it's i mean look i admire i admire the speed at which you're getting things like two fully colored pages out per week is is uh that's a lot to accomplish if you're doing it on top of other work i mean even just i mean there's i know there's professional cartoonists who are only doing that work at, at two pages you know what i mean like i i can think yeah. of a few off the top of my head that are only doing two they pages probably a week. draw much, much better than i do so um, i disagree like, uh, <laughs> the, the the a couple of the people i'm thinking about i i disagree and they're not people that are ever going to show up on this show is, is all i'm going to say <laughs> yeah there's but. there's sometimes like where it's it's i'm curious like what what the person is is doing like these are like big name superstars and i assume they're just doing something else right uh, like that there there's some other income but it, it seems like they produce pages at like a monthly rate like a, a page a month and i'm I have a hard time understanding that, yeah. that speed. Um, I, th I think there's a few reasons from what I've been able to observe. I think that a lot of it is noodling. Mm -hmm. I think that at a certain point when you have a, a long-term revenue stream that le like, mm -hmm. let's even just say if it's only because you have so many books out there that they will keep selling no matter what, right? Yeah. If you have a long-term revenue stream that will kind of go on its own momentum without you necessarily adding too much to it on a very consistent basis, I think that a lot of people will... And, it, and it's a tendency we all have. It's the finished versus perfect thing, right? And, mm -hmm. and I think we're always fighting the perfection in our heads. And I think a lot of those people will let that perfectionist start to scream at them because... Right. Yeah. They have the the ability to, right? Because they're like, well, I don't need to get this out today. Like, I don't have to, you right. know, yeah. work for a paycheck right now, you know? Um, and I think that's what keeps happening with people is they'll just get yeah. to a certain point and they, it's not necessarily they get complacent, but the, yeah. they're no longer keeping their perfectionist in check. Yeah. 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 That, that's probably true. But then there's also, you know, laziness or, you know, like they want to go and head out to the beach or whatever, you know, like there's a number of uh, things I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hey, um, well, Prime is is absolutely incredible. I'm really enjoying uh, uh, reading it. I love getting those pages every week and everyone should go and check out the Patreon to check out that Planet Paradise and all of that other good stuff. Um, let everyone know where else they can find you online and, and sort of what to look out for. Um, everything's kind of through a version of my name. Um, on, on Instagram, I'm jesse.lonergan. Twitter, I'm jesse.lonergan's. Mm. Um, there, there's a another Jesse Lonergan who's an Australian rules football player. Right, and he beat me to everything. Uh, okay. So I got dots and s's and stuff. <laughs> um, there's also my website, which has uh, comics, which is jessielonergan.com. Uh, mm -hmm. I beat him to 
for that one. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, all those places. And generally, I talk about whatever I'm doing uh, there as well. Right. Oh, and you also, don't you have a, is it Public that you? Yeah, uh, Public. There's like a lot of um, weird, weird drawings. Of, Dude, they're uh, some of the coolest shirts I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you know, like truly. <laughs> That the, everyone go check out Jesse. I'm sure there's a link on your website. Um, yeah, there's a there's a link on my website and um, on on Twitter and, and Instagram as well. Uh, man, yeah, it's kind of kind of this space where I just sort of let ideas just just sort of flow. someday Next. I'm gonna put them all together into a comic. Um, there you go. But I, I haven't figured out how yet. Next uh, time you're on the show, we'll we'll talk more about sort of that that process and stuff oh, yeah, like that. that <laughs> um, the last question, Jesse, that I ask every person who comes on the show is, uh, why do you love comics? Because it's the best. Um, I, I mean, to me, there's nothing better than comics. Like, they, they're so much fun. Like, I feel like they're awesome. You know, mm-hmm. like, and in, in a way that I feel like a book can't be awesome. You know, and it, it's like, you can just look at it and be like, I love this. And, and it's in reach, you know, like, I, I feel like, you know, a kid can just pick up a pen and start drawing and, and that's enough, you know, oh, yeah. well, I feel so much, so many other things are so far out of reach, you know, that it, that it feels like impossible, or you mm-hmm. need to get funding or something. And in comics, it's like, anybody can do it, <laughs> you know, like, I feel like, and because of that, I feel like a lot of ideas come out in comics. You know, mm-hmm. like, like so much creativity because it's, it's so possible for anyone to be involved, you right. know, where so many other things have things that prevent you from doing it, you know, like, um, and yeah, so I just, I just think comics are the best. Jesse Lonergan, thank you for joining the show. Thank you, Brad. It was a lot of fun. And thanks one more time to Jesse for joining the show. Follow him at Jesse Lonergan's on Twitter and jesse.lonergan on Instagram. Thanks to Sean Rosner for the music. You can follow Sean on Instagram at SeanTheRosner. Thanks to Garm for supporting the show. Check out garmcompany.com slash TMBC for 20% off anything you order. Uh, and thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, I, again, this week, you know, I can't express as enough times just how much I appreciate people listening, people shooting me those messages, saying how much you're enjoying the show. Uh, you know, any any tips you might have, anything you'd love to see on the show, anything that you know you're getting annoyed by. I don't know, whatever it is. Let me know your thoughts. Uh, and if you are enjoying the show, like others are, please, please, please leave a rating or a review uh, to let others know that this is some good shit to check out. Without further ado. That's been it for this week. Follow me at Jason Halftones. Follow the show at TMBC Workshop and get your ass back to work. But don't put too much pressure on yourself. You know, take, take it easy. Just enjoy yourself. Comics are fun. All right, that's all. Bye. Be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>